We're going to study for a short while on working relationship with Christ. This started out to be a title of just working or just relationships. It, it kind of, once I got into it and seen the, a little bit more of the, of the themes and the sub-themes of relationships of, of other people that was in the Bible there that we were studying, I, I come up with working relationship with Christ. And when we think about working relationship, it can be many things. It can be a working relationship with coworkers. It can be a working relationship with your spouse. It could be working relationships with friends. There's so many different physical avenues of working relationships. But when you look at it in the Bible under working relationships, you find out that it goes towards Christ on everything that was going on there in those early times of the Bible in the New Testament. And when, we, when I got into this lesson, really in studying about it, you know, sometimes you think to yourself, you're, you're kind of like you go back to a little bit, maybe in a younger age, and you try to just identify. You, you look for some identity. You know, when you're growing up, you, you face a lot of peer pressure and things. You're going through life, and you're trying to figure out what you're wanting to do, what your likes are, what you want to do in your career. And you're searching for identity to yourself. And many times, as Christians, it don't matter what the age is, we are searching, I believe, for that same kind of identity of what are we supposed to be in this life when it comes to a working relationship with Christ? Where does he want me to go where does God want me to go in this life? So we start soul searching, don't we? We see opportunities come our way, and it presents to ourselves opportunities right before us, and we start identifying with that. I can either just hide my face from this, this opportunity to help in this area as far as this working relationship, or I can do something about it. And I think that's where we struggle sometimes as Christians. It's, it's, it's going to get in our time. It's going to get in our pocketbook. It's going to get into a lot of things schedule is going to get into your life and a little bit of your um, close space. And sometimes we have to make those decisions for working relationships with Christ. We're going to get started and look a little bit about uh, how we can start it out in this life as husband and wife relationship. Just look at some physical relationships that we many experience, those who are married. And I want you to know before we get into this lesson, this is not just talking about a, a husband-wife relationship and, and your goals and things with your working relationship with Christ, but it's also single people. If there's anybody single here, it's about you too. It's about everybody. I just used some examples here that I thought was really good as far as the husband and wife to look at kind of some self-sacrifices, and I think you'll enjoy this. Genesis 2.18 and the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him and a help meet for him. You know, this is the very early beginnings of a relationship. You think about God creating this earth and adding everything that we need in this earth to live. And then he went on and then as he was making these creations, he found out that he wanted to make a woman for man. Let's read a little bit about how he done that. Genesis 2, 21 and 24 says, And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God take, have taken from man made he a woman, and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. You know what stands out to me uh, from the get-go is the first operation <laughs> on the body. Opened him up, took a rib, and then says here that uh, closed up the flesh instead thereof. First operation, removed that rib. So, you know, when God took and formed man, he took dust, breathed, or took dust, formed 
man into a, a farm, breathe into his nostrils, and become a living soul. And then now man was created, he takes that rib. So we see here God has created a, a first relationship, hasn't he? And this is what, as husband and wife, that we, we know about this. We know these readings. We know how sacred it was. We know about creation. Something that Christians look at is the, the holiness of marriage, the holiness of this relationship, the, the righteousness of this, that God created it between a man and a woman to have this relationship and how beautiful it is. Our relationship with Christ, now as husband and wife, in Ephesians 5.24, starts talking about a little bit now as a parallel of, with Christ and the church to marriage and husband and wife. And we can start seeing how this will start transforming over into a, a relationship with Christ. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands and everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself, for no man ever hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. You know, we're not going to get in detail of, of the first verse as far as really the responsibility of, of the wife to the husband and the husband to the wife here. The, the details that I want to look at is, um, other than just really that, really the, the main part is there at the bottom. Uh, for we mem are members of his body and of his flesh and of his bones. I believe that when a husband and wife comes in to be one with Christ, and as we're, we choose to be baptized and, and accept God, we, we have chosen on the first day of the week to come up and, and to eat of this bread and to take of this cup, showing Christ's body broken in that blood. shows us even much more as, as far as all of us that we are part of Christ's body. And what a sacrifice that he has made for the church in these areas, for, the, for the, uh, Paul to, to make note of this, of, of this relationship about our bodies as husband and wife to the church and the parallels of this. And what I believe he's coming down to is, is saying that in marriage, it is a lot of self-sacrifice on the husband's part and on the wife's part, the way Christ made that sacrifice. And it makes so much sense to me that this relationship bleeds over into that relationship with Christ. I will make one comment. I said I wasn't, but I will on, on the first part of this, of this uh, verses here and, and also the husband's duties. If you notice, there's only one thing, the really little sentence there for the wife, and there's about a whole paragraph for the husband there. I think the writers there realize that after that old law, there were some areas that the woman had to change and that also the man had to change. And I think man probably is hard time for, has a hard time to learn and listen and had to write a little bit more about it. But we do have responsibilities, don't we, in all these areas about marriage. A lot of self-sacrifice, and it goes over and parallels with our relationship with Christ. One of the couples that I really stood out to me and I read about and I thought it was a really neat reading about these is Paul's relationship with Priscilla and Aquila. Uh, number one, they were friends. 
when Paul left Athens and went into Corinth and met uh, Aquila, and it, it created a working relationship. We can read about that in Acts 18. After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth, and he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome. And he went to see them, and because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked, for they were tent makers by trade. So the common thing between Paul and Priscilla and Aquila is the tent makers. And if you look at the translation too on tent makers, uh, a lot of what they did was, was tannery. They, they took items to be able to, and tandem leather and different things to be able to make these tents. And they had that same kind of career. And so they, had, they hit it off right from the get-go. And you can imagine going into a new town and new area and, and you find somebody that does the same trade, and so it, it just starts a relationship right there. And with that relationship, it worked into a friendship, but it also worked into a working relationship for Christ. Priscilla and Aquila was very much involved with Paul on his missionary work. That working relationship with Paul was for the Lord, ultimately. When you think about these working relationships that we have with evangelists and with different people who does God's work, it ultimately is going over the work for the Lord and for God. Romans 16, 3 through 5, Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my helpers in Christ Jesus. Listen to this. This is how much of a friend they were. Who have for my life laid down their own necks. Unto whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. Likewise, greet the church that is in their house. Salute my well-beloved Epintaeus, who is the first fruits of Achaia unto Christ. So we can see this relationship. Can you imagine the mission work that was going on to push this gospel and Christianity so far out that you would lay your neck down for an evangelist? I don't know that I could do that for Brother Sean, for, for Pat, for, could you? And that's the friends that they were. So we see the sacrifices, that self-sacrifice as husband and wife in that relationship that we read about a moment ago, that self-sacrifice relationship with Christ as a marriage works. It, it helps take that gospel out to others. You think about the work that went on at that time with Priscilla and Aquila and what Paul faced, they were probably facing a lot of that right along with him and was giving him support and helping him be supported. Priscilla and Aquila knew the scriptures and taught. And one of the things there that when <clears throat> Paul was going out and preaching and was, can, you can probably see this, they, they was out preaching and, and talking and, and seeing the needs of different Christians and alone there about that time, Priscilla and Aquila was there in Acts 18, 24 and 26. It says here, Now a Jew named Apollos, a na native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was an eloquent man. Listen to this now. Very eloquent, competent in the scriptures, and he'd been instructed in the way of the Lord. So he knew some things about the Bible, didn't he? And being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus, though he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue, but Priscilla and Aquila heard him, and they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. So they were taught in the scriptures, Priscilla and Aquila was, and they knew these scriptures, and they had it in their hearts, and they were living it. They were living with Paul here in this missionary work and was teaching that gospel, so they had to know these scriptures. 
And all of a sudden, they come up and face this man. And he was in error just in, in one area of that, wasn't he? And they were able to correct that for him. What a wonderful relationship that Priscilla and Aquila married couple who had between themselves to be able to do this work. I think about this old scripture in the Old Testament in Priscilla, about Priscilla and Aquila. To me, it's not about them, but it, I'm able to use this in comparison for them. It reminds me of them when I read this. We've, we've got to, number one, be together in the life for the Lord as husband and wife. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him that is alone when he falleth, for he hath not another to help him up. Again, if two lie together, then one, then they will have heat. But how can one be warm alone? And if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. We can see in this relationship I believe Priscilla and Aquila understood the scriptures of these old scriptures here. I believe they worked as a team. And I think in those times, probably seen a lot of hard things, they were able to support one another and with Paul. So we can see those rewards for them just go up. We can see how when one fell, the other one could pick the other one up. And this really, to me, strikes to me a, a parallel to them. You know, Talking about two lying together can, can give heat. My brother uh, went up elk hunting. He'd probably I, not want me to tell the story, but it's, you know how brothers are. They went elk hunting. It's just, it's a, they got into a, a blizzard and uh, couldn't see from here to that wall away. And they had to throw up a quick little uh, shelter or they were going to freeze, and him and a buddy. And... They spent the night under an awning and snuggled and, and survived. But it was because of that body heat. And that's the only way. If you're by yourself, I don't know. But this is what you're talking about. You do what you do as a married couple in hard times and in bad times, in all times that you're in your married life to be able to help for the cause in this relationship, working relationship with Christ. You make it work. So my question to you is, as married couple, um, are you doing it? Are you working together or are you not working together? Are you engaged or are you not engaged? And I think these are questions that we ask ourselves. If, if it truly, if we have an advantage as, as a married couple to help each other to be able to continue to push this gospel that we believe in, that we so want other people that are lost to be able to hear, are we doing that as married couples? And I believe it's important for us to do that. You know, when I say... I mean, yeah, we're, we're married, we're Christians, but at times I think so many of the times we're disengaged and we go on in our life, I'm doing my thing and maybe Bonnie's doing her thing and we lose sight of that goal of really what God has us here to do. And that is to be a shining light. Brother Matt brought that out today in his lesson very well. We are to be a shining light for Christ to the Heavenly Father. And so let's move on in the lesson. Here's one that really uh, stood out to me also. <clears throat> and I don't know, as far as married couple, I, it, the Bible and commentaries, things that I read about Phoebe, I uh, don't know if she was married or not. It, I didn't, it didn't say in the Bible. But this is very interesting. Uh, Phoebe 
had a serving relationship to Paul for Christ and the churches. Romans 16, if you get a chance and you look at Romans, you can. Paul is commending and talking to the uh, different people there in Romans 16 and thanking them and talking uh, to the Romans about them that, that did the work. And in the first part of chapter 16, in verse 1 and 2, I commended to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church at, at um, Centuria, that you may welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of saints and help her in whatever she may need from you, for she has been a patron of many and of myself as well. Some things I want to, to kind of stand out in the beginning about Phoebe here is, is that, and what Paul is, is, is talking to them about, is that he is, he's writing a letter really here in this area of credibility for Phoebe. And saying, accept her and treat her worthy of a saint, calling her a sister. You know how special it is to call the, the ladies here sisters, the men brothers? That is a special thing. It, it is a wonderful thing that we can do that as Christians. We can see here also, it talks about her as a servant. It says here also that she was a patron. If you read about the, the patron part, uh, this here is under the ESV, but if you look in the King James, it, it used a word there that we really don't use, succorer. And the succorer being in the ESV is patron. But it changed up the spelling of Phoebe. Phoebe was spelt in those other areas, P-H-E-B-E. -E. Here in the ESV, it was P-H-O-E-B-E. -E. But the thing about Phoebe was this. Phoebe, the relationship, that working relationship she had with Paul for the work for the church was that she was from this centuria. It was a port town down below uh, Corinth. And in that area, she was, the, the commentary shows that she was a lady of means, that she was able to work and, and sail out of there from that port of centuria with ease to, to go and to, and to be able to, to give of her work and her needs very easily from there. And so she was very helpful in the work for Paul. And I can also say that from the readings that I read, Corinth in this century, a port town where she was converted, very evil town. A lot of things going on in a port town. You think about this. It'd be, to me, it reminds me of, of, reminds me of kind of an airport. It reminds me of a port town of... of Houston, Texas, of San Diego, of Miami. In and out, a lot of trade, a lot of commerce, a lot of things going on, and a big old bucket full of sin going on too. It was, it was a town where sailors were coming in and they were going to live up their life, but also it was an area too of false gods. In that area outside of Corinth, they had an idol built on the hill, uh, Aphrodite. And this Aphrodite goddess was a of love and of war. And there was prostitution that went on there in the temple. There was monies that was brought there for this God. It was not a moral place. This is where Phoebe was, those areas that she was from. She was converted. You think about this as an evangelist, going to a place like that to teach the gospel. Great number of, of things going on. 
That'd be hard, wouldn't it? But she was converted, and she worked as a working relationship with Paul where she was able to go out from those areas. And you think about this, you're seeing lots of different religions coming in and out, a lot of different people coming in and out from that port. And then all of a sudden, you have this lady who is just a, a woman of means, and she is, she's working. And it worked. I asked, visited with Garland a little bit about uh, this there's a note in the, in the uh, Esword that I, I was reading at the bottom of chapter 16, and it historically says that Phoebe sent these letters to the Romans. And so, and you can study that out more for yourself. Historically, it's showing that. Commentaries are showing that. The Romans got these letters from Phoebe, and if you think about that, her easy travel out of those areas from Corinth, that Paul was there preaching at Corinth, and it was very easy for her to go out and take that letter. Phoebe had a, a, a relationship with Paul for Christ in the churches. What are we doing in our lives? Don't have to be married and have the support of husband and wife. Doesn't talk about Phoebe being married. We've got to examine our lives and what we do for, for Christ with this working relationship. Dorcas had a relationship with the Lord. And she was the life of being a servant. Acts 9, 36 through 38. Now there was a, at Joppa a certain disciple named Tabitha, which by interpretation is called Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and alms deeds, which she did. And it came to pass in those days that she was sick and died, whom when they had washed, they laid her in an upper chamber for as much as Lydia was nigh to Joppa. And the disciples had heard that Peter was there. They sent unto him two men, desiring him that he would not delay to come to them. And then Peter arose and went unto them. When he was come, they brought him into the upper chamber, and all the widows stood by him weeping, and shewing the coats and the garments which Dorcas made while she was with them. But Peter put them all forth and kneeled down and prayed, turning him in to, the, to the body said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she, she sat up. And he gave her his hand and lifted her up. And when he had called the saints and widows, presented her alive. You know, Peter uh, did this miracle. And these miracles was done a lot of times to help people believe in, in Christ. But look at this relationship that, that Dorcas had with these widows and with the poor of making these uh, coats and these clothings. She was loved. And it was a simple thing as far as these garments that she made, but she worked hard at it. She worked very hard, and she did what she could do as a servant in a relationship, working relationship with the Lord. What about Timothy's relationship with his grandma and mother that influenced his faith? Second Timothy 1 and 5, When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois, in thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also... Faith lived in Grandma Lois, faith lived in Mom Eunice, and faith lives in Son Timothy. We can see that work that's going on there. Timothy had a, a, a dad who was, was not a believer. And so you can see where uh, this work for Timothy was so important. And that was done by Grandma. It was done by this relationship between Mom, all involved to help Timothy to believe in Christ. So what relationships are we creating and nurturing to do the works of the Lord? You and I. Are we a Priscilla and an Aquila? 
Are we a Phoebe? Are we a Dorcas? Are we a Timothy? No, but we are you and I. And we still have these same very works that needs to go on today is what they were doing then. When we find ourselves uh, having these works, we, we learn that God wants a working, a working relationship with us too, the same way. It's, it was to continue. Ephesians 2 and 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. It doesn't stop. It continues on. A relationship which was ultimately started by Christ. Titus 2, 11 and 14. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. Once you notice in one of these next few verses, when, when, they, when you read this, you see that somebody gave us Christ, gave us something most wonderful, the best thing in the world, gave us grace, gave us salvation, gave us a life eternal, knowing that he was going to redeem. And to read these next few verses and, and listen here real carefully. Teaching us that denying un ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people. A weird people, Matt. <laughs> Peculiar. We do things different. Not going to go to the parties and liven it up, get drunk, do drugs. Not going to commit adultery. We're not going to go out there and do the things that the world's doing. They're different, zealous of good works. So Christ give himself, and his salvation appeared to all men, redeemed. Y'all continue on in those good works. And I believe that there's a big pattern in a lot of areas that Paul wrote about. Our relationship started was by Christ, Titus 3, 4 through 8. But afterward, that kindness and love of God our Savior towards men appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior. That being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This is a faithful saying, and these things I will that thou affirm constantly that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable unto men. Same pattern. Christ gave his life. I'll give you everything. I'm going to pour myself out for you. I'm going to redeem you. Just continue these works. They're profitable to you. Continue the relationship with Christ, 2 Timothy 3, 14 and 17. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, complete, Thoroughly furnished in all good works. Another pattern for us. So we must thoroughly complete this working relationship. Christ did it first. And he wanted us to continue this on. In Hebrews 13, 21. Make you perfect or complete in every good work to do his will. Working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight. Through Jesus Christ to whom be glory forever and ever. 
And listen to this. This is, this is where really we see that this continue of being a light starts showing up for us. Philippians 1, 5, 6. For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. So these people he's talking to, right, have already accepted Christ. In the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he which had begun a good work in you, Christ, had been gun- he started this work in you, will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ, until he comes back. Christ is going to be with this generation here, the next generation of Christians, until he comes back. He's going to help us. He's going to help us in the works. So Christ worked in relationship with his Father. Jesus did exactly as a pattern first, and it it should influence us to do the same thing. John 9, 4 and 5, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the the world. When Jesus was speaking this, physically, yes, he was there, wasn't he? And you think about that when he says, I am the light of the world, as long as I'm here, if he leaves, then we continue on Christ being here by speaking it with this word. We continue talking about Christ and about this light. You know, we have a window. Christ said it best here. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. We have a window in our life to be able to work. There was a preacher who asked a man, or excuse me, a a man asked a preacher, get it right here, that he wanted to be a member of the church, but he really didn't want to do any anything like, you know, helping the church. He, he didn't want to pray. He didn't want to sing. He didn't want to do any building maintenance. He didn't want to do any visitation. Uh, he didn't want to sweep. He didn't want to clean. He didn't want to go and visit people in the hospital. Um, didn't want to be involved in church work at all. And so the preacher uh, said, well, he said, what you need to do, he said, I don't think this would be the place for you. If you, if you go down this street, about three blocks, turn left, and he said, there's a place there for you. And so the man did. He went down the street, went to the address the preacher gave him, and it was a boarded-up church that was dead. And it had no works. And so that little story to me reminds me, if we really spell it out, there's things uh, that all of us can do. And to have this working relationship with our Father in Heaven with Christ, and we build these relationships with other people doing it like we read about Dorcas, about Priscilla and Quill, about Phoebe. We can see, in Timothy, we can see those relationships. It ain't changed. To carry this light, it's you and I. We can't sit in the seats of our church building and be served without serving. This just, it's not in the Bible This is a serving relationship attitude that they had that we must copy. You know, if you think about it, a lot of things I think sometimes is not so right. I've got this attitude of of getting out of these big cities. It's just busy. A lot of things going on, a lot of people, a lot of sinful things I don't like. That's exactly where Paul went. That's exactly where the evangelists went. They went, it, it makes sense, it they went there to evangelize, to take that gospel. Yes, we need it in Wheeler, Bridgeport, different congregations. They went to where the sin was at. 
Their attitude was, these people are sinners. This is where we need to evangelize. If you think about that, it makes all the sense in the world if, if we have numbers to go up, we got to get outside here. And we got to go out and teach out there. We've got to teach outside the building, outside the city. Wherever we're at, this working relationship will help add numbers to Christ. So we see this working relationship works. Christ taught it, and we have a window that we have so much time to do that. Do it while we have possibly the energy. Do it while we have possibly some of the knowledge. Do it while we have the opportunities when they present themselves to be able to take Christ to other people. And typically, so many of the times, we want to hide our face from relationships also that, that we just don't want to be involved in. You know, when you think about Paul, where he went and preached, um, I, I can't imagine. I can't. It'd be hard. It would be hard, but he was able to do that. And in those areas, if you think about that, in those areas of, of Corinth with Phoebe, if, of Corinth and those port towns, you had such an influx of, of commerce and people. So they were able to convert people coming in and then probably going out. So we've seen so much of that involved in a bigger city uh, area there. Work on it while we have the day and it doesn't become night. Christ's working relationship with his Father. John 17, 3 and 4. And this is life eternal that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. This was Christ. You know, why are you here? <laughs> why am I here? That was, that was the question in this study, in these commentaries, was, was pointing to. Christ come to show everyone that he was the son of God. And he wanted us, after he left, to do the same. So, am I to be an outfitter in this world? Was I to be an American Airlines mechanic? Yeah, we had helped to make a living. But really, Britt Doty should teach the gospel when he has the chance every time to give someone love when they need it, to give them things that they would want to ask a reason of my belief in me. If I miss all that, then we are not having this working relationship with our Father. We've missed it. We've missed the whole focus of what I say, identity. I'm a, I identify with this. I, I identified maybe as a mechanic for 17 years, and they got part of Brit Doty out of all that, but really, when it comes down to the life itself, if there's one person I affect with the gospel, we're all winners, and the same for you. If we can teach this and show the love, help set up studies, help get people into this door, this church building, to help them to be a child of God. Your work and relationship with Christ continues to glorify our Father which is in heaven. Matthew 5, 14 and 16. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel but on a candlestick. And it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men 
that they may see your good works and glorify the Father which is in heaven. Everything that we do glorifies God and points to him. And then hopefully someone will ask a reason of our belief. I don't know the minds and the hearts of those that are here. Let's continue, as Brother Matt brought out, let's continue to be the light of the world. And that's going to take effort. That will take a, a lifestyle. That will take things that we just continue to live on and, and strive and pray about and put into our daily, daily work. Thank you for listening to today's sermon podcast. If you'd like to know more about this subject or any other Bible topic, send us a message at our Facebook page, The Church of Christ, Wheeler Area.